0: Hi everyone, Eve Harer, Rejuvenation on the Land of Israel Network. October 10th, 2023, the 25th day of Tishrei, 5784. The the Jewish holidays just finished like three days ago, but it seems like it's been a month since Shabbat and Sinchat Torah. As I'm sure all of you know who are listening to this, um, it is incredibly tense here in Israel. And um, I am certainly not the only one who has sons and sons-in-law who are have been called up and I cannot recommend it to any of you. Um, I, I hope that none of you ever have to have the experience of being in the room when your son kisses his wife and children goodbye. Um, so they should all, that's how I just want to start off. And that's, how I'm going to end off also. They should all just come home safely. We should eradicate the evil that is the world's evil. It's just that we're at the front of it. And since I really, as the, as I said last time I had David Wormser on, I could do a podcast where I cried the entire time or we could actually do something a little bit serious. So David Wormser, who's like my favorite analyst, which is the, maybe if I have a TV show, that will be the name of the TV show, my favorite portion, my favorite analyst, <laughs> I just totally dated myself, is in yeah. Israel. Um, and, uh, so of course, and we're, we're on a couple of different groups together and as usual, his insights and his analysis are so right on. So I decided I couldn't keep him to myself and I had to share him with all of you, uh, once again. So David, from your hotel in Tel Aviv, how are you doing today?
1: Well, I'm doing good. Um, you know, like the rest of Israel though, I'm waiting, anticipating, nervous, heartbroken, Angry, yeah, uh, uh, you know, there's a, and 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 uh, uh, all the all those things at once, and all those things in waves.
0: Yeah, you know, I um yeah. I I keep Shabbat like I normally am not online on Shabbat, but when we saw what was going on, so for the first time in many 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 years, I was on my phone on Shabbat, uh, keeping track of what was happening and what was, and the um I mean the main. You know the main I think we're all still in shock I mean I think what's happening here in Israel and there are some people who are talking about it is how this happened but most of us are just kind of stealing ourselves and trying to keep our our strength for what is be- what is going to happen and we figure that we can you know take apart this tremendous failure uh at some other time but maybe you want to say a couple of words about that about what you think happened here that allowed, I mean, just by the dead bodies that we have, there are 1,500 dead Hamas terrorists within Israeli territory that our army managed to kill. But as we know that for a few critical hours on on Saturday morning, it, the communities in the western side of the Negev um, were basically on their own. So do you have any thoughts or that you can share with us about what happened here?
1: Yeah, I mean... Um... On the, on the most immediate level, I, there must have been at least two to 3,000 terrorists across the border. I mean, and one has to look at it not only as an invasion. It was an invasion by an army, but it was terrorists. Right. And they operated with terrorist uh, strategies. And I don't just mean by the cruelty of what they've done. I mean, their tactics were also terrorist, And... It, but can can explain that for a
0: second. How would a terrorist infiltration? How does Very that look different area? from an army infiltration?
1: Well, an army would be uh, combined arms, uh, a crossing of a border, like mm-hmm. in, in a coherent uh, military formation that's identifiable, uh, and so forth. This is this is a bunch of people bursting through the border, and two units of two or three or seven, uh, or maybe even ten. Some as much as twenty, but but on motorcycles, and they're racing across the landscape in motorcycles, with high mobility. Many of them not dressed as any soldiers. Right. Many of them, and, or and dressed and the as Israeli period,
0: soldiers or dressed as right. Israeli soldiers.
1: Yeah, right. And the, and and also they had no intention of logistics lines, of securing their lines, of secure of of consolidating territory. They had one objective which was to get to points where people are and kill them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so one, you know, one uh, segment of the whole effort uh, raced all the way across to Afakim, to which is 25 kilometers from the border right.
0: Right. and
1: got there very quickly. And, uh, you mm-hmm. know, that that was, a, these are suicide missions. There was no, a regular army would worry about its, its back uh, and its withdrawal plans and its, lines of communication and resupply and territorial control and those sorts of tactics. No, this was these were uh, units that had one purpose in mind, which is to to enter populations and kill them. And and, and so they behaved very differently. So that's what I mean by a terrorist army. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a bit more difficult. To see that and stop it, because you don't see a, a unit massing on the other side of, boor- of the border with proper equipment and proper preparation. Um, you you will see it at the very end, perhaps, but it's not a normal military um, right. activity. So so the normal measures of oh Hamas is about to try to burst through the border and do X uh, that that apply. wasn't the-
0: well, so right. there's been a lot of talk here in Israel about how it was on the 50th anniversary of the Yom Kippur War and about it was like that same kind of intelligence, favor, um, intelligence failure. But, of course, the major differences are what you just pointed out, that there was amassing on our borders of troops, of Syrian and Egyptian troops that we, for whatever reason, missed. And the big difference, of course, is that it was a war and there were soldiers who were fighting soldiers. And in this case, it was people who clearly you know, who went into villages and raped women and killed children and took people hostage, which is another thing that we can talk about in a few minutes, the hostage situation and and very, very different. So, and then, but, but my question is, and, and of course they went into, you know, they knew about this party. They must've known about it ahead of time where thousands of people were. And the numbers I think are now 270 bodies that were found there. And I spoke to someone who was there who managed to get away and um, nightmare doesn't even begin to describe uh, some of the scenes that were there. So, the, so, but my, but but what I want to know is how how could this happen? I understand that it's easier yeah. to see tanks lining up on a border than it is to no, see that, that's people running around in sweatshirts in on a motorcycle and anticipate that they're going to come in. But one of my daughters, her job when she was in the army ten years ago, and she's still suffering PTSD from it, was to be a Tatspitanee. She was one of the girls who looks into the cameras uh, and they monitor the border all the time. They never take their eyes off the cameras. She told me that this was exactly their nightmare scenario, exactly this, because they knew they were dealing with terrorists and they knew that they were going to see people pop up out of the middle of a field um, dressed in Israeli army uniforms, and so once they came out of that hole, there was going to be no way of knowing if they were our army or or terrorist infiltrators. And so they had to keep an eye on everything all the time. If a rock moved, because in those split seconds everything changes. And um and so what? Where was this? Do you think this was? People are talking about like some kind of cyber attack that Iran and Russia together separately. I, what, what? I think? think
1: that. I think that um, you know. Eventually, we'll know all this. This right. is this is going to be unveiled, um, examined, and unveiled. And I'm sure already the military knows a lot more than we do about about what actually happened. But I'm. I don't. You know. There, there's clearly an intelligence failure that is ultimately rooted to a conception that is exactly the same conception as '73, which is deterrence works, and it works because israel is so powerful that who would dare how would this ragtag army of dangerous but small lightly armed uh, uh terrorists genuinely threaten israel's security they can't
0: mm-hmm. so
1: we can deter them that was the concept this time and the concept in 73 was we had won so big in, in 1967 Why on earth would they think they can win and therefore they don't think they can win and therefore they won't try? So the same conception failed, although the difference is one major conception failed in 73. A whole parade of conceptions failed here. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's only one of them. So I think there was a conceptual failure that dates back really Unfortunately, I hate to say it, but Israel's security establishment consistently falls into this pit. Yeah. Of you saw it in in two thousand six in Lebanon. You saw. Well, I would it say for 1990- thirty years
0: since Oslo.
1: Yeah, I, I was about to say mm-hmm. not, Oslo. You you had it that oh they're so weak. Their weaknesses right. are 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 manipulative strength over them. You saw it in nineteen ninety six in Lebanon in the Envezam the Grapes of Wrath operation there's this consistent belief that the Arabs cower in front of Israeli power and won't do anything. When in point of fact, uh, we we don't realize, first of all, that a lot of these organizations Israel's facing really are sent by other nations that are willing to sacrifice those organizations for a larger strategic goal. So Hezbollah is not an independent organization. It is not and the Lebanese organization. It is a unit of the IRGC.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: As ultimately- Iran, ra- Iran uh, uh, exactly. As ultimately those who did this are. Mm-hmm. Um, th- there's a little more independence to Hamas, or let me rephrase that. There's a little more independence to some parts of Hamas, but by and large, they are now wholly beholden to Iran as is Palestinian Islamic Jihad, and they work together. And at the end of the day, they're answering to Iran's strategic directives on this. And I think the strategic directive being sent was a regional, uh, you may be horribly mauled by the Israeli army at the end of this, but your political fortunes in the long run are entirely dependent on the reputation of Iran. And if you deliver us a victory, even at such a great cost, then whatever cost that you will pay will be rapidly reversed by the rising tide of Iranian success. So I I, I think that that dynamic is never appreciated, not in 2006 uh, by by the IDF, not now with this so that's another level of failure.
0: Well, there's also so, the things that seem like to contraindicate each other, like Iran is Shia and Hamas is Sunni. Right. And in, in, on a normal day, if there are ever normal days, they, they kill, hate each other and kill each other. But they seem to have made some kind of pact here that killing Israelis is more important than anything else. And I think it's something that we've discussed yeah. before, and our mutual friend, Dr. Harold Road, has written about this extensively in Bernard Lewis and others. Their whole point here was to humiliate us and yeah. to kill civilians. That That's exactly yeah. what brings them honor in the twisted way that they think.
1: It brings them honor, but it also brings them strategic gain. You know, we in the West, constant in Israel suffers this as part of the West, think in strictly large-scale military terms. So victory is a fairly clear thing when you have one army beating another army, disarming it, and breaking the political will of, of their opponent by disarming their means for waging war. Goes back 200 years, more. The Arabs have a different way of war. It is all psychological. It is manipulative. It isn't based on power as much as it's based on the perception of power, the perception of willpower in particular. And what happened two days ago, and this I think really dictates the, the, the path of Israel's strate- uh, strategic answers here, their, their decision was to humiliate Israel, to make it look weak, Serves several roles. One is any nation in the region that was thinking of making peace won't make peace if Israel looks weak because nobody wants to make peace with the loser. They're just a strategic burden. Um, The second thing is it convinces everybody else in the region that that, that wants to make war on Israel, that Iran is the path to do it, and Israel's vulnerable and you can do it it to Israel. So it encourages war, discourages peace, and even in the United States and in the West it raises questions about israel's long-term viability if it can't defend itself like this and it seems to be racked with incompetence blah 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 so that was the strategic purpose here is to is to really whittle away at israel's own sense of power and ultimately solidity
0: yeah, and geez.
1: and so the strategic response to this has to be so stunning so shocking i, I hate to use this word, but so traumatic, not dramatic,
0: mm-hmm. traumatic And disproportional.
1: Oh, but vastly like, disproportional. Yeah. <laughs> vastly disproportional. So that there is no question that the initial humiliation is erased or transcended. This has to end with a major geopolitical shift in the region that mm-hmm. turns the tide of strategic momentum away from Israel, and on to Iran at the end.
0: So this so is the I, sense I, I, that I'm getting from other Israelis, and I feel this way as well. We don't want to have a war now where we bury I don't know how many people. And then in three years, Hamas is strong again, and we do this again. We've been doing this, 2014 and 2016. and We want this to end now. You know, And, and what you're saying, are we ready to reconfigure the Middle East? The fact that the Americans have sent their aircraft carrier, which is... From my understanding, can be a real game changer in the region. Is making some of us hope that maybe we're and and, and the support that we're getting from around the world, um, at least temporarily, because of the obscenity of what Hamas did here. Uh, even people who normally aren't friends with us are like I think shocked to their core over what has happened here. Um, so it looks seems like we have some kind of window to maybe really restructure the Middle East. But like, yeah. what is what is your dream you know if they called you in and they said what do you want us to do like ultimately give us the whole basket of what you want to have happen here
1: i let let me build that the case for a certain strategy rather than just outline it because it will sound too shocking just outlining it okay one of the things that is very clear that happened in gaza is the concept of letting your enemy build up yeah. Uh, until it, until he's powerful, as
0: long as it's and then quiet. you'll deal with
1: it. Right. it has failed. You nip these things in the bud. The second thing is when they're powerful, and you try to have a structure of deterrence. They set the agenda. They choose when they go to war. They surprise you when they want to surprise you. There's a conflagration when it serves them politically and not you. Um, and there's no way you can ultimately deter it, as we as we saw. Why? Because when you put a cobra in your bed and you think you can tame it, you will be bitten and you will be killed. There is no scenario in which you can sleep with a cobra and not come out dead. So if it's a teeny little cobra this big, that's pretty bad. But if you feed it and you let it grow in your bed, that's suicide. And that's exactly what Israel did with the PLO, with Hamas, etc. So, at the end... If that's the case then mowing the lawn namely teaching uh teaching uh, teaching Hamas a lesson means that you're still letting them ultimately dictate the agenda dictate when the next conflagration happens you're never going to convince them not to do anything right. they're, they're they're it's in their DNA to kill you there is it's it's like it's in the DNA of a cobra to bite you it, it you can't you can't change his behavior because it's who it is. Um, So so essentially, if you can't mow the lawn, if you can't deter it, you have to destroy it. The problem is Hezbollah. A lot of Israelis are, oh my God, now you want to expand the war. I understand that. I fear greatly the power of Hezbollah. But Hezbollah is the same problem as Hamas. It Has been allowed to build up to such vast proportions, it dictates the agenda. You could see it's essentially Lebanon, right?
0: Hezbollah is essentially Lebanon. I mean, it's taken taken over
1: Lebanon. Lebanon is now an extension of Hezbollah in Iran. And you could see it last month when they put when they seized territory that was demarked as part of Israel and put up a tent there. The IDF was afraid of doing anything, they openly said. No, we can't do anything, because if we do, uh, Hezbollah might escalate. That was the best admission there was, that the agenda is set by Hezbollah, and there will be war when Hezbollah decides war will be, and there will be the type of war that Hezbollah decides, and it will happen when politically and militarily it will gain most from that, which means ultimately Iran. So Iran controls the agenda. So I believe that, uh, obviously, I don't believe that you can have any survival of Hamas and Gaza at the end of this. I believe they have to be eradicated, but I'm not even sure that's a sufficient enough victory to erase the humiliation and perception of weakness that Israel faced um, faces now, and, and, and will haunt it, haunt it in a very dangerous and grave way for a decade or two. And uh, sadly, and I, I, you know, I don't have children in the military. I have a lot of friends in the military, I have, you know, but I don't have my children, so I don't want to advocate it. But I do know that Hezbollah is at the edge of really pushing war anyway. They've mobilized the Radwan units opposite the Golan Heights. Uh, there's all sorts of signs of surging forces to the south. Civilians who are listening to Hezbollah are fleeing north. I, I think that it's almost um Hezbollah is, is, is going to uh, make a decision and it may well make the decision to go to war. If that happens, uh, the destruction of Hezbollah, like the destruction of Hamas, really has to be the strategic answer. Because that will begin to really change the nature of the Middle East. Syria's regime relies on the power of Hezbollah to survive. The IRGC uses the structure of Hezbollah to establish its presence on the Golan Heights uh, opposite Israel and in Lebanon. So the destruction of Hezbollah so threatens the Syrian regime. If Israel adds to it, uh, uh, linking up and establishing a corridor to the Druze, and the uh, where, who are rising up in Sueda, uh the, which, by the way, is an idea I wish I had come up with, but it's it's really a Haredi's idea, so I have to give him credit.
0: So explain. You who can who really my be, listeners, we okay. the Druze so are I a mean, minority I mean, in Israel who are very loyal to Israel. The ones who are in Israel, some of our best soldiers, correct. including one who fell yesterday, are Druze, and they are also in the Golan Heights and they're also in Lebanon. They don't want their own country. They never really have. They're just very loyal right. to whomever they feel keeps them safe.
1: And there's also a large amount of them that are in southeast, uh, southwest Syria. Namely, if you go to the southern part of the Golan Heights and you go west 50 kilometers or so, you come to the mountains that are the areas of the Druze. And um, so they could be like that, a
0: bulwark for us, like a loyal bulwark. Yeah, against they're in revolt Iran. against the side. Mm. They're in
1: a revolt in the last two, three months. They have risen up against the uh, against Syria in a great way, very dangerous way, such that the Syrians have had to put two divisions around them with the warning that they will kill them all, slaughter them. Mm-hmm. And after what happened in Gaza, we know what that means. Yes. we do. Uh, so so because the Syrians as well are as well they're they're all the same barbarians. That's the problem. They're all one. It's this panoply of the universe of ISIS uh and and iran and so they're all this is just who they are Mm -hmm. it's the, the darkness um so anyway all that can really threaten if not topple the syrian regime and if the syrian regime is deeply threatened or even toppled then iran strategically really is falling back on itself its basic structures of strategic assertion in the middle east are defeated and it will it will be forced to pull back out of fear that this will ripple back into Tehran, and Iran already faces an internal uprising that's very serious.
0: Mm-hmm. And in
1: these regimes, the people in these the people who are under the foot of these regimes have the best sense of smell of weakness of any people on the face of the earth. We saw that with the Eastern Europeans at the end of the Cold War and so forth. They smell weakness in Tehran, they're going to give that government a run for the money. So if this war ends with the destruction of Hamas and Hezbollah, and Iran reeling, scared, anxious, and visibly fighting for its life in its own capital, that is the level of strategic defeat that will erase the humiliation and weakness that Israel is now suffering.
0: So I'll give you my my wish list for, let's say, a few weeks from now. One is that the Egyptians open the border with Gaza and the Gazans leave. And I really don't care what happens to them after they get to Sinai. The world is so into refugees these days, they can take some of them also. Okay, I'm sure there's room in Germany and in Sweden for a few more Muslims. They've been taking them in for everywhere else, let them deal with it. Um, And then we take back Gaza, okay, because we can't live with people uh, like this Next to us, we just can't. Uh, what my listeners may not know is that a lot of the kibbutzim and moshavim, some of whom eh, will never come back, honestly, kibbutz beri. kibbutz beri lost, the last body count was 108 people when they went house from house now to find the bodies. Out of a community of a 1,000, it's uh, it. it It's going to be very difficult for them to be able to come back. And a lot of these communities are there since the 1940s, since before the modern day state of Israel. And they did a tremendous job then, you know, in protecting Israel from from Gaza at the time and and in planting and giving us food. I mean, extraordinary people, but many of them would consider themselves on on the left or maybe center left. And I have friends that I was in touch with during this whole time who were worried about their friends in Gaza you know, because this, my, one of my friends, Adele Raymer, she said there are good people in Gaza who hate the Hamas, and I'm worried about them. And this maybe David is is maybe our Achilles' heel because we do worry about good people. We do. You know, one of it's easy Bye. to go around Israel today and say, I just wish every Arab would die, just like that. Okay, but it's, A, it's not going to happen, and B, some of them are good people. Um, who was it? The president of El Salvador who is who said yesterday, and he considers himself from Palestinian lineage, whatever the heck that means. Um, but he said, get rid of Hamas. They're the worst thing to happen, well, because they don't let us develop as normal people. They look like who we are, and we are all not like them. We're all not murderous. There,
1: there are good people in... I'm sure there are good people in Gaza. you do them no favors right. by leaving them under the control of Hamas.
0: Which is occupied by Hamas. Gaza. Sure... Gaza is occupied. It's occupied by Hamas.
1: Yeah. I'm sure they would rather leave than stay under Hamas's rule.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's I so they're the rooting
1: in their hearts. Yes. Yeah. And they're rooting in their hearts for the Israelis to win.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, and, the
1: uh, and, when... and the same thing in Lebanon.
0: And the same thing in Lebanon. So there's the wish list here that we get rid of Hamas in Gaza that we clean Lebanon of, you know, of Hezbollah, that we create some kind of Druze entity in the Golan, the Northern Israel, the Golan Heights, and, you know, the Eastern part of the Golan Heights and Syria and get rid of Assad, who's a blight on humanity and has been for a long time. And there's some kind of regime change in Iran because what I understand is most Persians are also, they hate their regime and they, of course, want to be free. And we could change a lot of things here, but... Why does Israel have to do this by ourselves? There are so many people out there who hate the people that I just mentioned, even more than we do, because they're the ones suffering from them. So isn't it time well, for the world also, to say, we're going to help you do this?
1: Um, the world is fickle and they don't get it. Uh, there's a, In Tolkien, in, in The Hobbit, there's a passage uh, which talks about sleepless malice uh, is Stirs and it's on the move. It's a beautiful passage, uh, and and that's what the West doesn't understand. I mean, you said right up front in, in the podcast about ten minutes ago that it's uh, what was it? It's 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 it started. It's Israel. Israel's the Israel's paying the price of a world problem. Something something mm-hmm. like that. It started with Israel, but it's really a world. It's it's right. really the world world's problem there is something going on in the world. Part of it is American power, sadly. And I I believe lack of fame. (laughs) Yeah, I think this is the ultimate consequences of the Obama era, which is that American power was diminished and diminished greatly. And with it comes a fundamental rise of threat, of danger, and evil. Because what we're learning is Iran, these sorts of countries, they are not countries we disagree with. Um, Venezuela, the narco-terrorists who just took over Colombia, these are evil people. These These are evil people whose essence is evil and psychotic and sadistic. And as a result, there is no negotiation or diplomatic process by which you contain them. There is no deterrent strategy where you defang them. They are deadly. They will always be deadly. And what you see with Hamas, one of the things that, that you said, so they were building tunnels years ago. Israel devised a weapon, mm. uh, devised the structure to discover those tunnels. Every single minute of every single day since that day that Israel built the, the anti-tunnel structure, Hamas has been spending every energy they have. They eat for this. They live for this. They think of this. They are obsessed of circumventing that and killing Jews. That is all they are. They're just a a Jew-killing machine. So there is nothing. They eat in order to kill Jews. So our belief that you can take somebody with that sort of an animus and in any shape or form, control them is delusional. So, so there um, been a lot of
0: delusional people who thought that we yeah, could placate there a lot of deluge, people who even fault. felt that it was our fault. It's because we took land that they feel yeah. is theirs. We don't have to discuss if it was theirs if it. Well, it doesn't matter. If we give them land, they'll like us. If we give them jobs, they'll like us. We can somehow placate them, and one day all their jihadist ideas will go down. Right. So let's let more people into Israel to work.
1: Right, and we can see how, how open-minded they are by the way they treated the Yazidis in Iraq right. and right. how they treated, I mean, exactly. you know, these slaughters. And what's going on in North
0: Africa, which I think most of my listeners probably yeah. have no idea, Nigeria every single too. day, Christians especially, but not only, are getting slaughtered. What happened in Gaza, on uh, in Western Negev from Gaza on Saturday happens, I would say, every single week somewhere in Africa. and Nobody knows and nobody cares. Yeah,
1: so evil stirs in the world and is moving. And this is a function of the, the, the erosion of American power. Good in the world was upheld by the victory of the United States in the Cold War, and the good of the international structure was upheld by an America that understood who it was, understood its own values, and defended them. And what you have is an America that's lost its way, and as a consequence, you see evil stirring in the world. And Israel, unfortunately, is now paying the frontline heavy price or the heavy price of being on the front line, of feeling it. Uh, mm-hmm. So it is a global problem. Uh, but uh, unfortunately, Israel has, has to deal with it alone because I don't think the complacency that the Israeli elites had, which was really a Western malady, you see it in the military and so forth that no they can't they can't possibly think of of a, of a suicidal war or anything like that
0: because we wouldn't so re- they can't
1: <laughs> right Just so that
0: complacency
1: is right. a western complacency it's a western malady israel is in the last 48 hours going through a gut wrenching and racingly fast transformation of conception and imagery its complacency is gone. It's being replaced almost by a lack of confidence. Um, but the Western elites overall in America and Europe, they're living still in a bubble of complacency. All you have to do is look at Lampedusa Island in southern Italy in the southern in the sea and see that it is now majority um, immigrant and uh, immigrant. <laughs> whatever you want to call it, they're invading. Yeah.
0: Infiltrators um, from the Arab world. Infiltrators. Yes. And Europe can't
1: deal with it no. because they don't seem to think it's a big threat. France just went through a summer of great riots. right? And still they don't seem to understand that when their population is 20 or gets to 30% Muslim, they're going to face what Israel just faced.
0: Mm-hmm. Probably
1: before that. Um, so there's a complacency out there that is stunning and that's really behind it. And I don't see the correction yet. They, they think this is an Israeli misfortune, not a Western. This is a reflection of Israel, not a reflection of the West's delusions.
0: You know, you say complacency and, and. One of the things that I'm not suffering from is that kind of mind switch in the last 48 hours, because I, as you know, yeah. and some of us have been there for a long time. We never thought this was yeah, going to yeah. I have spent, I've lived in Israel for 35 years, and I've spent those 35 years doing everything I can to, to to settle Judea and Samaria, to stop Oslo. I moved down to Gaza the summer of 2005. I went and tried to get against the Gilad Shalit deal with all due respect to his family, because setting a precedent of releasing a thousand terrorists who have murdered thousands of other people since they've been released was going to be an awful thing to do. Call it behavioral psychology, call it common sense, whatever it is. So at least I have been spared that in the last 48 hours. And I told you so feels terrible, but I, what I am feeling, and I think many Israelis are feeling is a tremendous crisis of confidence in our leadership. If they could, if this could happen, then how am I supposed to believe some of what they're telling me about other things? Because they were so wrong on this. Someone like Yakov Ami Amidur, for whom I had tremendous respect over the years. He came out yesterday and said I was wrong. These are intelligence people. These are people who have access to information that I don't have. So I have to feel that, you know, that, that they're getting these, it right. I mean,
1: the 1973 war, it, you know, the elite, the military elite, the military establishment, they found their two or three scapegoats.
0: Yeah. They
1: found Dago the chief of staff, thrown right. under the bus.
0: Golder they blamed a it all on intelligence. Right. And, and,
1: you know, that's an easy one because intelligence failed. But it's in the nature of intelligence to fail it, often. Why? Because it's the nature of your enemy to hide what he's doing. It's the nature of the, your enemy to lull you into a false sense of security by mobilizing, demobilizing, mobilizing, surging toward the border, then not doing anything. There's mind games that are, uh, that are going on in intelligence all the time. So it, is, it, is, it comes with the turf that you're going to miss it at times, which then raises the question, why would you base an entire strategy on having to get it right with intelligence? Why was Israel's deployment in 73, the strategic positioning and structure of the Israeli military, such that it needed that 72-hour warning to survive? Mm -hmm. Why did Israel need to know what Hamas was going to do in advance? I I think probably by the time those those motorcycles were racing toward the border 100 yards away, that was probably already too late.
0: Yeah, because they went in and they took hostages and they were already in these villages and we had tremendous firefights. And also, again, because we're trying to save our people. You know, we didn't just know that there were terrorists in one of the villages and just bombed the village because we wanted to get our people. And that, you that we still want exactly to do, back. and that's that's one of the things that Israelis now are being ripped apart. This whole idea of the hostages, and uh, my understanding is that in the next few hours, the the Hamas is going to be putting out films of the hostages because there's a message that's going around to parents: take your children's phones away now, because we don't yeah. want them see. We're trying, it's we're trying to protect our children. Um, yeah, as we always do uh, I, So from seeing what's going hard. on because yeah. they know that how worried we are about what's being done to them, about who's there. Um, and, uh, and and that's like a major heartbreak that, you know, my my husband's a physician. One of his patients came in absolutely distraught because they don't know where her niece is. Is she a hostage? Was she killed? You know, it's you, it's a small country. Yeah. Everybody, everybody knows something. But, but the the thing about What you had said about the complacency of the Western governments, it it seems maybe that it's a little more nefarious. You know, Barack Obama, you could see he like reluctantly choked out a statement yesterday about how terrible it was. But of course, he had to end it with, you know, I hope we can resolve this and there'll be the Palestinians will have whatever it is, you know, their state or two states. It
1: it It was an equivocation. When
0: you have a thousand and a half
1: dead Israelis that didn't just get killed but were cruelly treated and the most perverse and unimaginable acts of atrocity committed before killing them and then after killing them, you don't sit there and you have, on the one hand, on the other hand,
0: right? Exactly, and that's
1: what it was. It's, It's, you know, you don't condemn the Holocaust, but
0: yeah. Right. But if they only mm-hmm. weren't walking around the cities with their big hats and pay off, maybe people wouldn't have resented the Jews. But you, you no also but. have this what should be the, one of the biggest scandals ever in American history, what happened with Robert O'Malley. And how well you much- see, I think that's the thing. I
1: think you're right. This is something there's a malice there's here. There's a plan here. here. You know, I don't I don't want to accuse people of things I can't prove. But first of all, apparently our security structures do have enough there to be strongly suspicious. Of Robert Malley, he ran Iran policy. He also had a huge influence on 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 the rest of Israeli uh, on on the rest of Middle East policy toward Israel. He he was uh, the essentially in many ways the de facto acting Near East Assistant Secretary. Who did he bring in? He brought in this Adrian Tabatabai, uh, who is you know clearly an Iranian agent. He Why is up she an still Iran in her position? Why
0: is she still in position? I don't these know. I don't
1: Because to a, to fire her admits the problem <laughs> that people like Anthony Blinken and people like John Kerry wanted these people in because those were the people who were going to deliver the policy they wanted.
0: And They and she gave they six billion dollars to Iran last week. I mean, you 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 almost have to have like just an IQ higher than a house plant to put all this together. Yeah, but they think, they think the enemy is
1: are the people in Washington who are the warmongers against Iran. That is their conception of the world. It's exactly like the damage and the distortion of the Oslo process where when wave after wave after wave after wave of terrorism happened, you got this really feeble response, almost insulting response that the enemies of peace lumping together the Israeli opposition, with Hamas, who had done this, or frankly the PLO that had done this, um, no, these were not enemies of peace. These were Jew killers. That's who they were, and they were being sent by the people you're, you were being nego- you were negotiating with, and 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 so there's this formula of the real enemy are the hardliners in our own government. So for them, they didn't see the Iranians as their enemy. They saw those in Washington who wanted to do, you know, whether it's John Bolton or whoever, you know, wanted to take an extremely hardline Iran policy. Same but, with Oslo. But what we do they, they think
0: is gonna come out of Iran? I mean if Iran goes nuclear or already is it, the Iran is so clear about their jihadi aspirations. why why Support Iran in any way when you are a Western person. They want to, but they're not a the Western war.
1: person. They're not a Western person. They believe the West is evil. I mean, when you put the 1619 project in America together with the Justice Democrats, the Squad, the Progressives, the, the, Marxist, is, left- the Marxist, the, education the Marxist education that anybody left- in Europe, university
0: is now getting,
1: right, not the out. radical left in Europe. Their basic point is the West is evil. The West is the problem. it isn't, and it isn't a policy that is bad. It is the very essence of the West that they say is bad. And that, that America is still a slave country in their mind. We've learned how to turn slavery into something that looks like freedom, but is actually an, an incredibly nefarious form of slavery. Um, that is the view of the 1619 project. And that is now the view of the progressives in the United States. Ocasio-Cortez gets out there and she says outright that capitalism is evil and it's failed on top of it all. It, it, so it's both evil and, 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 and incompetent. It needs to be replaced by socialism or communism, Bolshevism, whatever. So for them, the rise of Iran as a challenge to western values and western system and what western freedom you know it's they welcome it because Amazing. they believe we are the problem we westerners whether it's israelis americans i don't know who else you know the europeans mm-hmm. uh, maloney I, they, whoever we are the problem and 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 in and, and their eyes so again the enemy for this crowd, as as was the enemy under Oslo, wasn't Arafat, It was those who who raised the questions about the Oslo process, whether it was Netanyahu or others. It wasn't, and and with Iran, it isn't Iran that's the enemy. It's those who 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 are scared of be, who of what Iran can become, who want to take a hard line against Iran. These. That's why I say I'm not sure these people have the same concept of interests.
0: That but unfortunately, do. they all have tremendous power.
1: They do. We didn't get into some of the... net. I mean, we have that Adrian Tabatabai. Right. Tabata, we also have Robert Malley. We have others in that narrow little clique of Iranian influence peddlers. But we also have people like Maher Bittar. Now, intelligence failure in Israel... Maher Bittar is a manifestation of what just happened. Uh, I'll give you. Uh, uh, why do I say that? Maher Batar was involved with UNRWA, the United Nations Relief Works Agency, a decade mm-hmm. or two ago. Apart from being a radical on campus in BDS, he he was he was um the uh, he was the uh, employed by UNRWA. At the precise well, time, David, that
0: Unra- One second, going- one second, please. My my son is calling. Okay. Hang on a second. Sure. Matanya? It going? it's going okay. I'm doing an interview. Is everything all right? Can I call you back? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I'll call you back in a few minutes, sweetheart. Okay. okay bye. Sorry. Sure. Go ahead. So,
1: so he was he was employed by Unra at precisely the heyday of transforming UNRWA schools in Gaza into missile launching sites and arsenals and then hospitals in Gaza into launching sites, hospitals, bunkers, and and bunker structures for leadership and so forth. So here's a man who either saw it and agreed with it or didn't see it when everybody on the face of the earth saw it, this was hiding in plain sight. The, I, I don't know anybody who who didn't know about the missile launchers in UNRWA schools because they'd been launching missiles from UNRWA schools. and It's we knew, not something
0: it, you can hide.
1: <laughs> it, it's not something
0: you can hide.
1: So this guy now has become the head senior director for intelligence in the National Security Council. This is the guy who is in charge of managing all intelligence that comes in and out of the White House. He is the guy who's singularly responsible for determining what the president sees and edits and presents and crops the information. So a guy that either agreed with Hamas or couldn't see the obvious is now the main intelligence person Feeding information to the entire White House. NSA. So
0: the White House has been infiltrated by the enemy in a sentence?
1: Yeah, in a sentence, yes.
0: Wow.
1: These people are not, these people should never have gotten clearances. These people should never have been put at the center of America. They don't believe in America. Right. You can't be a Marxist, a radical, Marxist, radical BDS guy on campuses and then and then joined UNRWA in its effort to turn Palestinian schools into launching sites and still be Western, still be a Western, uh, have Western interests in mind. I mean, imagine the equivalent, and by the way, we have others, we have people in the State Department, Anthony Blinken, I believe, mm-hmm. himself, has a picture of Alger Hiss on the wall. Of all people, Alger Hiss, the communist spy, why on earth? Yeah, there's this mythology that he was railroaded and set up. Alger Hiss was a spy. You really have to be quite um, delusional to believe that he wasn't. And they're doing this also openly.
0: admitted it.
1: Wow. He admitted it. And Russia admitted it openly after the Cold War. We know this isn't the question. Yet that picture sits in his office. So, I mean, come, you know, with
0: people like that,
1: how are you going to get a pro American policy?
0: So Israel's really on its own to come back to. I I believe Israel's
1: on its own now. The good news, good news. It's hard news. It's difficult, but I. But it's. I think it's sober. It's something uh, that 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 is is important for sobriety's sake. Which is Israel's just been exposed wrongly. I mean, I'm Israel's not truly weak, but it, it has been exposed as weak. And the perception is immense weakness. If Israel relies on Western power heavily to come back, one, it will tie Israel's strategic hands and it won't be delivered the great strategic mm-hmm. victory. Because the United States isn't going to allow all the. It's not going to green light any of this. So Israel just has to act act, and then ask for permission afterwards. Um, number one, the West won't, won't buy into it ahead of time. Number two, and I think this is more important, the, 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 there's a direct proportionality between the amount Israel acts alone and the perception of Israeli strength. So if Israel relies heavily on Western support and intervention, it confirms the narrative that Iran puts forward, that it's not a viable state on its own, it's fragile, And it's not a real entity, it's not real and it's weak because it needs to supplement its weakness with American power. The more Israel delivers its own victory, the more alone it acts, the more it proves, shocks, and not only Tehran, but most importantly, other countries in the region that are either thinking of making war or thinking of making peace. That it, that Israel is the powerful country they need to stick with. That I, that you better be on Israel's right side, not wrong side.
0: So you that's, think sending the aircraft carrier here might actually look make Israel look weak?
1: No, I think the aircraft carrier is important because it shows that Israel isn't abandoned. Okay. Uh, what well, there's a the the that that that's I, an important it, distinction. It, it's a it's an important distinction because. In the Middle East, you know, think tribally. The the Middle East is still very defined tribally. The politics of Islam is a tribal politics. If your allied tribe, especially if you made a choice as a a weaker tribe to side with a big tribe, if that tribe says you're not my friend anymore, that's a death sentence. Mm -hmm. It goes all the way back to Muhammad. Muhammad, um, the, the, the elites of Mecca wanted to kill him and and for for what he was preaching and his uncle took him in and his uncle was a respectable guy so as long as his uncle said he's mine there was a, a protection of muhammad because if they killed muhammad then the uncle has the right, right to kill revenge uh, you know revenge mm-hmm. killing and so forth so it was it was a it was essentially a protective umbrella but at one point the uncle couldn't do that anymore he was weakening and Etc. and he said, I, I just can't continue to protect you. Mohammed understood instantly that is his death sentence, and he had to run away mm-hmm. to, to Medina. That is, the, that is a microcosm of the larger dynamic in the region with tribes. So Israel is a tribe in the, in, in the Arab mind. It's a big tribe, a powerful tribe, but it's not as big and powerful as America, and America is the big friend of Israel. So America has abandoned Israel is the biggest damage that America. It's not just it doesn't help. That actively damages Israel. It actively contributes to a perception of weakness, which, by the way, is I think one of the reasons why this even happened. Right. Because I think they perceived how much tension there was between,
0: between Biden Washington. and Netanyahu, and some exactly. of the internal conflict that was happening. I don't think they would have dared September. do this. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't
1: have dared do this under a more pro-Israeli administration. They did dare do this. Look, there were how many war, mini wars? Yeah, how many mini wars were there under Biden? Mm -hmm. Quite a few. How many mini wars were there under Trump? Zero. How many mini wars have there been under Biden? Already two or three. Mm -hmm. Now this is not a mini war. No, right. Um, You know, the the numbers, that, that shows you a lot. Anyway, the point I'm getting, by the way, that's why the Saudis are so angry at America, too, because yeah. they feel betrayed. So I think the carrier matters because it's saying, we're still your friend. And it's signaling the region that America hasn't totally abandoned Israel yet.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm not so confident that they're, you know, it's, uh, Golda Meir said it, everybody loves to sympathize yes. with dead Jews. Yeah. But uh, we don't want to be dead Jews. And then it's going to be difficult to sympathize with Israel for countries like for administrations like, like um, um, the Biden administration.
0: So because, so anyway, a- yeah, because this is a Jewish country and because you and I are both very proud members of that, yeah. of those people, I have to bring in the Bible here in the Tanakh, because what you're describing also tribally is very much biblical. I mean, not as biblical, but the ancient world, when you had the suzerain agreements, right, you had a King or some kind of big power who brought other people under his wing. And that, analogy or contract, if you will, has to, at least in the academic circles, been compared to the Covenant at Sinai, right? So we were going to get this really big power called God, who's going to take his people under the wing. And there's a lot of similarities in even how the different contracts in the ancient world that we have found were written up and some of the wording in the Bible itself. It's a very clear message at least for the people at the time, I will protect, you will be my people, you will be loyal to me, and I will protect you. And so in a situation like what's happening today, as in any difficult situation, you also have a lot of that chatter here. You know, is yes. this, is this Gogol Magog, you know, is this the, the famous yeah. flash of evil and good that has been talked about or alluded to in so many different ways? And But there's a lot of distress here also, like, where is God? Like, again, you know, since, since this this was the Saturday was the worst day for the Jewish people since 1945. And since Mm -hmm. the Nazis, more Jews were killed on Shabbat than in any other day since then. So there's a lot of that that comes up a lot of the angst, a lot of faith also, but a lot of, where is he? What's happening here? Is there a plan? And the more the more people die, I think we're going to be hearing that more and more. That the, the anger and the disappointment, but also a rise in faith, because ultimately, if you don't believe in God, we well, certainly can't believe in mankind, can we? So, no. you know, for many of us, that becomes and also, as they say, right, there's there's no atheist in a foxhole, but there's a there are a lot of different emotions and a lot of different levels to what's happening here in Israel. And I and I want I wanted to say this because I know that a lot of my audience. Are people of faith, many different faiths, but people of faith. And ultimately that comes down to that. And so with everything, and I, I think David, you gave us a great analysis here and really laid out a lot of the different issues that Israel is facing here now. And I'm glad you're here. And I know you gave blood this morning, you were telling me. So I want to yeah. let you go so you can have drink some juice, which is an incredible thing to do. Um yeah. but you know, to keep to keep Israel. In your prayers. And and I have to say, as an Israeli and an Israeli mother, we are very strong. The people here are the most amazing people ever. What is happening in this country to support the soldiers, to keep the morale up, um, just to share a very personal story. My youngest daughter is eight months pregnant and her husband was called in. And she, of course, is not having an easy time, to say the least. And she posted on the family list yesterday. She said, you know, you could say that It's like a really hard time to bring a baby into the world. But I look around at this country that I live in, and I'm so proud that I'm going to be having a child who will join this people and how strong they are and how amazing we are and how despite everything that's arrayed against us, we're not giving in. So I just want everyone to know that there is that. Do not feel sorry for us. Pray for us, help us in any way that you can. But we're going to come through this And uh, and we're coming through this, not just for us, but for all of you, because I think it's pretty clear that this evil is starts with the Jews, always starts with the Jews and never ends with the Jews. So supporting Israel is not doing us a favor. It's helping yourselves and, and helping the world be the kind of place that we still hope it can and should be that we've made some progress and that the Torah was given into a world that looked a lot like what we're dealing with now. And the fact that this is an unusual occurrence to some degree, a great part of that is due to the Torah and to the moral code that it brought on the world and that many of us have adopted. And I think we need to keep our eye on that big picture as well with all the stress and the concerns and and everything that's happening every day.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. You know, um, the uh, I was uh, I was naval officer in intelligence uh, in one of, in a previous life uh, uh, in Washington, and um, I, my duty was on the weekends to replace the regular intelligence people in the um, in the alert center in the Pentagon. That's the central node of early warning and alert for the for the United States. And my de- my desk, my place was Middle East Africa. I had the misfortune of of uh, taking over that desk uh, right as the Rwandan genocide started. Oh God, and I remember the the Tutsis were being massacred right and left by the Hutus, and it was just horrific. But I do remember seeing the commander of the Tutsis uh, say, "We will win. We will win because." We're fighting to defend ourselves, and they're fighting to kill us. They're too busy wasting their time killing us and committing massacres to effectively fight, and we will win. And in fact, the Tutsis did win, Mm -hmm. although they're the ones who were uh, slaughtered. Uh, And and I I believe it. in one weekend it was, what, about... 800,000 something yeah. like that 700,000 In- well, incomprehensible horrific numbers. incomprehensible yeah. it wasn't one weekend it was one week or two but it was a horrific yeah. amount um of 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 destruction by by the houthi's against and by the way that again the houthi's hutus were much more aligned with libya and syria and blah blah blah, blah. so again same crowd yeah. um but that's what we have to remember here evil ultimately is very dangerous and it can never be, you can never turn your back on evil and you can never tame it. But evil does, it it, it it does lay the seeds of its own destruction. We have to seize that and we have to actively, whether it's through the act of God or whether we have just the willpower and you believe in the faith of our people and the
0: and a combination three, four of both. thousand in
1: their history or a combination thereof, you have to seize that vulnerability and you have to destroy that evil. Uh, but there is, there is that vulnerability in, in evil that they do. They're, they're so driven by hatred that they don't focus entirely. And, you know, the, another great example of it, great horrific example, was to the very end, Hitler prioritized right. the transport of Jews to the gas chambers over logistics for right. his army.
0: So that, that in that irrationality, hatred. in that irrationality and that blind, blind hatred, we have an opportunity to rid the world of them.
1: But Thank we you. have that blind hatred against us now yeah. by us, obviously the Jews, mm-hmm. not just the Israeli Jews. It doesn't seem safe to be an Israeli today, but believe me. Every Jew should understand they're still going to be more safe in Israel than they are going to be. And we will see, unfortunately, in my view, Mm -hmm. in the coming weeks and years, days maybe, how unsafe Jews are abroad. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and there they cannot defend themselves. They can't, 48 hours later, mobilize to defend themselves. In Israel, they do.
0: In Israel, we Um, can. Yes, we We finally, after a very, very, very long time, can protect ourselves, and it doesn't always happen, and there are terrible mistakes that occur. But ultimately, we can do that, and we do it very, very, very well. And um, and I hope that in the coming weeks we'll do it absolutely as best as we can. David Wormser, thank you so much, and thanks to Tabitha and to Ben for putting out the show, and thank you to all my listeners um, for caring, for caring so much. Um, You don't know how much that means to us here to understand that there is this energy, this positive energy and love that's coming to us from outside. um, And the prayers, of course, it means the world. So keep that up. Be in touch, of course. Uh, Eve, eve eve.herow at gmail.com. Just uh, happy to hear from you whenever. And thank you, everyone. And um, may everyone come home safely. Take care, everybody. Eve Harrow, Rejuvenation okay. on the Land of Israel Network. Goodbye for now.